Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Okay. Vatupama Sutta. On one occasion, the Buddha was at Savadhi at Jita's Grove on a Pindika's monastery. He addressed those gathered. Friends, suppose an unskilled person dyed a dirty cloth. Whether the cloth was blue, yellow, red, or pink, it would take the dye poorly and the color would be impure. Why would the color be impure? Because the cloth was not clean. So too, when the mind is defiled, stress and disappointment should be expected. Now friends, suppose a skilled person dyed a clean and bright cloth. Whether the cloth was blue, yellow, red, or pink, it would take the dye as intended and the color would be pure. Why would the color be pure? Because the cloth was clean. So too, when the mind is not defiled, Freedom from greed, aversion, and delusion should be expected. A calm and peaceful mind will prevail. So this simile of the cloth is helpful because it demonstrates the limitations of the mind. The mind is an instrument that absorbs and perceives reality. And that perception or imprint of reality is only as accurate as the mind is clear. Friends, listen closely as I will teach you the defilements of the mind. Greed, ill will, anger, denigration, domineering, envy, jealousy, hypocrisy, fraud, obstinance, conceit, prejudice, arrogance, vanity, and negligence. So all of these qualities of mind are different aspects of the three defilements of greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. So it's not important that we memorize or even understand how each of them is related to greed, aversion, or deluded thinking. Just know that if any of these are present in the mind, then the mind is defiled. It is dirty. It's not clear. You're not clearly perceiving what's going on. And then in the next paragraph, the Buddha is explaining how practitioners use the four foundations of mindfulness to know the defilements in their own mind. Friends, the wise Dhamma practitioner knows these qualities as defilements of the mind. Knowing this, the wise Dhamma practitioner abandons them. When these defilements have been completely abandoned, the wise Dhamma practitioner knows that these defilements have been abandoned. So understanding what greed, aversion, and deluded thinking is, is like the first layer. Then recognizing one of these defilements in your own mind, that's another layer. Then you stay with that defilement and allow it to arise and pass away in your mind. 
then you see the joy arise and feel the release of abandoning and defilement in your own mind. That's a powerful experience. And that is what the Buddha is explaining here. It's using the four foundations of mindfulness in reference to the defilements. And the joy and peace of that experience of seeing a defilement in your mind and just staying with it long enough for it to pass away and then recognizing what that feels like, how that feels in the mind, how it feels like release is an encouraging experience. And it allows you to know that your practice is working, which strengthens your gratitude for your practice and pardon the word faith in the Sangha and the Buddha and these teachings, which is what he's describing in the next section. The wise Dhamma practitioner, having abandoned these defilements directly, develops unwavering confidence in me. They know the teacher as accomplished and fully enlightened. They know the teacher is endowed with clear vision and virtuous conduct. They know the teacher's knowledge is a sublime and complete understanding of reality and of fabricated realms. A teacher of all, they know the teacher is incomparable among those who can be taught. The wise Dhamma practitioner, having abandoned these defilements directly, develops unwavering confidence in the Sangha. They know those of the teacher Sangha have entered the skillful, straight, proper, and true path. That is to say, this wise Dhamma practitioner knows the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. This Sangha is worthy of gifts, hospitality, and respect. This Sangha's gifts to the world is incomparable. The wise Dhamma practitioner, having abandoned these defilements directly, even in part, knows they have developed unwavering confidence in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. They gain enthusiasm for the goal, for the Dhamma. There is gladness with connection to the Dhamma. Gladdened, joy is born. Joyous in their body. Joyous in mind, their body grows tranquil. From a tranquil body, there is happiness. For the mind of one who is happy, concentration increases. Just as a stained and dirty cloth is cleaned with pure water, just as gold is purified with the heat of a furnace, a wise Dhamma practitioner established in wisdom, virtue, and concentration eats the most delicious alms food, they will not lose their way. The wise Dhamma practitioner abides with a mind permeating with loving kindness and compassion and sympathetic joy and with equanimity for the entire universe, their mind boundless and free of hostility and ill will. <laughs> the wise Dhamma practitioner understands the three marks of existence and the path of liberation. When the wise Dhamma practitioner understands in this way, their mind is liberated from the fetter of sensual desire and of becoming. They are liberated from ignorance, liberated. There is the knowledge, I am liberated. Giving birth to ignorance has ended. The pure life has been lived. The task is complete. I have overcome the world. This wise Dhamma practitioner is known as one who has bathed their inner being. So 
all of this, it can sound like a extraordinary thing, but really it's just the profound experience of observing how the mind works when it is defiled and how it works when it is not defiled and how the practice will allow us to observe a defilement arise and pass away and as it passes away we experience the release and the relief of simply allowing it to pass away are you all right john <laughs> I'm gonna take some water. You need water? No, I got some. Thank you. So again, that that's all simply what's being expl explained here. And and that simple experience of watching our defilements arise and pass away, and then seeing how that affects our fourth foundation of mindfulness, that in and of itself is a really profound experience that will encourage us and help us and, and make us want to engage in the Sangha, make us grateful for the Sangha and the Dhamma and the, and the Buddha. At this time, the Brahmin Sundarika was seated near the Buddha and asked, does Master Gotama bathe in the Bahuka River? The Buddha responds, what is the Bahuka River? What can the Bahuka River do? Master, is it true that many people believe that the it is true that many people believe that the Bahuka River can purify and bestow merit? Many people use the river to wash away their evil deeds. The Buddha responds, whether the Bahuka, the Adikaka, the Gaya, the Sudarika, the Payaga or the Sarasati, the fool bathes in many rivers, but will never find purification for their unskillful deeds. What power do these rivers possess? They can never purify the evildoer. Those who have purified themselves should be celebrated. They do much in this world, always wise, virtuous, and well-concentrated. It is here that you should bathe, and he's referring to the Eightfold Path. If you wish to be a true refuge for all beings, it is here that you should be. Brahmin Sandarika, if you teach false dhammas and harm other beings, take what is not offered you, following your belief, what could a river do for you? Any well contains water. Hearing the great teacher's words, Brahmin Sandarika declared, Magnificent Master Gotama, you have made your dhamma clear in many ways. You have righted what was overturned. You have shown what was hidden. You have shown the way to one who was lost. You are holding a lamp in the darkness for those with eyes to see. I take refuge in Master Gotama and your Dhamma and in your Sangha. Please bestow the going forth and develop your path. The Brahmin Sundarika received the going forth and quickly realized for himself the culmination of the path. He understood birth has ended the well-integrated life has been lived. There is nothing for 
nothing more for me in this world. Sundarika was now an arahant, and that's the end of the sutta. So I just really, I really love this um, this sutta because of that metaphor of the cloth and the mind. Um, I like anything that's got like the little, just the little nugget that I can take with me. And regardless of what my own overall, you know, my fourth foundation of mindfulness is with regard to my mind, you know, whether it's <clears throat> diluted or it's um, clear. If I think about the mind as being this kind of imprint of reality, it's not, it's like the, the cloth that takes the dye. It's not exactly reality. It's just my perception of reality. Then it's easier to kind of approach with skepticism anything that's going on in my mind, um, especially if it's, you know, there's tension and, and I'm taking something personally because then it sort of allows me to, even if I can't totally abandon whatever it is that I'm experiencing, I can at least approach it with skepticism and kind of say, okay, I'm, I'm just deluded in this moment and just like, let it go in that regard. So, so yeah. And I thought, I thought it was like a great ending to the study that we just did. And then um, just moving into the new year. It's just a cool sutta. So, um, Ryan, let's hear from you, sir. Hi, friend. Hi. I think you're cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thanks. I think uh, you're cool, too. Oh, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's such a such a complete teaching in the, again, in the sutta um i like the piece about even abandoning the defilements in part enables the mind to develop concentration which creates gladness which leads to joy which then ties into the jhanas but mm -hmm. I'm now having a joyful engagement with the Dhamma as I'm developing concentration. So it's almost this this um, chicken and egg thing, right? Where you just gotta you just gotta sit and you've got to start developing the concentration, start chipping away at these these fabrications that we've developed over a lifetime, and and once you've just chipped away a little bit you start to see with right view mm. and the practice becomes self-emboldening yep. as you move forward so i agree great great way to end the the year and i'm ready for next year as well so thank you thanks brian hi jane oops hi jen so great to see you i can see you um, too Thank you for the teaching. You know, I realize that prior to the practice, I mean, I truly wasn't living an authentic life with all the fabrications and everything that was going on. You know, I now realize that wasn't real. 
and bit by bit now, you know, I'm, I think I'm, believe I'm having a more authentic experience. And it's, it's a good thing. It's less stressful. So I'm grateful for the Dhamma and the Sangha. I totally agree. Before I met, before I met the Dhamma, I was, I don't even know how I was getting through. How, nothing was, nothing was accurate. That's just it, you know. Experiences were just inaccurate. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Hi, Mary. Oh, you're muted. Hello. Hi, everybody. Um, hope everybody is enjoying all this holiday um, activity. Um, it is a, it's a beautiful sutta for whatever reason, it felt a little more uh, sophisticated to me, maybe because of the metaphor. Uh, I'm not sure, but um, it's also a reminder to me that even with the practice, you'll experience um, moments of, you know, like, you know, we learn to slow things down because of our concentration, but we'll also have moments where we lose our concentration and we um, experience the defilements and we're not experiencing the four foundations of mindfulness. And it's all a part of the journey. And it, it also speaks to how even in our meditation, we're watching things arise and pass away. And so, you know, if, if we're going through this time of year or any time of year where it could be stressful, that we will experience these things and sometimes we'll handle them better uh, than other times, right? And so it's important to maintain the practice, um, you know, maintain the relationship with the Sangha and to not lose sight of the three jewels so that you're continuing to improve your concentration and, you know, enhance your practice and really enhance the amount of joy you're experiencing, whether it's joy of seeing the practice working or just the natural joy of being in right view a lot more often. So, um, so thank you. Beautiful teaching, Jen, as always. So thank you. Thanks, Mary. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like you're what I'm hearing you say is like that. So important to be gentle, gentle mm -hmm. with yourself because you're because you're always gonna, you know, you can't always your practice is never gonna be perfect and mm -hmm. uh, salve of <laughs> the three defilements is the three jewels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Nina. <coughs> Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Um, this time of year, I particularly have a lot of defilement <laughs> going on <laughs> in myself. And um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a lack of sunshine. But um, I have the comparison of what it feels like to abandon it and I feel like 
especially through meditation in the past. So when I lose my way, like I have at the moment, um, I have those memories to return to. So I'm able to stay afloat, I think. Like I don't, I was telling Dustin earlier today, like I don't go into it. I can stay above it and just kind of watch it and then let it go and have those moments of just relaxing into it. Um, So this was a good sutta for me today. Thanks. Thank you. John, hold on a second. Let me uh, switch to the, there we go. Dhamma teacher, John. I did, outstanding teaching as always, Janet. The Thank thing you. that kind of struck me this time um, was how uh, obvious, um, what it, how obvious it was what the Buddha said that these rivers, they can't have any special powers pointing out something that should be so obvious to anyone. Why would, you know, why would a river fix some mm. people, not others, making the point? And Sundarika not getting it until the Buddha pointed out the obvious. You know, when he just poured into the ideology that everybody else did. And, you know, there's no, um, there's certainly a connection to the modern baptism ritual too. Um, again, it's just so interesting how reality is so obvious, but yet because of our beliefs and uh, collective ideology, yep. we simply just can't see it. Just can't let it go. Yeah, it's right here. How, how could a river do anything except be water? I, this was the first time that I read it where I was like, I mean, it was, he just went on and on explaining it. And then for Sundarika to be bring up the river, it was like, dude, were you listening to anything I was saying? (laughs) But then I kind of, when he said, when the Buddha responded to that, it was almost like, I don't know, the way I was hearing it was that it was like Sundarika was like making sure that he could let go of the river. And he was like relieved to hear what the Buddha said. Like that's, that's the yeah. dirty cloth. Yeah. The dirty cloth represents a practice that's not based on the equal path. So therefore the die won't take. Yeah. The, the waters of a river thinking that it's kind of cure or take away pain or suffering is a false dhamma. Yep. So to me, it was you have to make sure that your practice is pure and not putting things onto it and trying to tweak it and mm. trying to take things away so the die can take. Yeah. So that's mm. how I've always thought about this. Super. Yeah. Yeah. An underlying theme is just that. that we have to be willing to recognize our own defilements rather than cling to them. Mm-hmm. Because in fact, into that I making the self-identification with, with the river or with whatever it might be, my group of friends would think they're chanting that the full moon is going to get me somewhere, mm-hmm. or anything else that is outside of the eightfold path. Just recognizing the three defilements in this moment and abandoning. And it is obvious too when you, when you see it from burgeoning right view 
the foolishness of doing anything else becomes apparent. Right. Which is jumping in the river or anything else that employing any external agency to fix me rather than recognize there's nothing to fix. Thank you, John. You always say, like, oh, you know, you love these suttas because they, you know, like talk about the little nuggets. I love that yeah. expression. But then I always love the nuggets that you like give us because every time I listen to you teach, I always can like write down or step away with like a really impactful thing. Like you said, um, the mind can only perceive reality as much as it is clear and calm or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah. Like, wow, that makes so much sense. Like you just have this great ability to just take, we hear the sutta, but then I can understand it so much better. Like when you put it into that context, because now it's like no judgment, it's just, the mind is my mind is perceiving reality as much like as I am calm and if, if I'm not calm and if I'm distracted and um you know giving into defilements and rather than just sitting with them like you said mm. and watching them and then objectively letting them go um then I'm unable to yeah really perceive reality well so Thank you for that. And I really liked Brian. That was so helpful, Brian, what you said about um, chipping away at like mm -hmm. fabrications. I mean, I know it's like a visual and it's like, a, but it's another great metaphor. Like, I'm just so thankful for mm -hmm. you guys and the Sangha and everyone. So thank you. Cool. Thanks a lot. Brett. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks for the teaching. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm like with Mary and either have to say or I can identify with that. Mm. You know, this time of year is tricky or kind of whatever I have going. If I have, if if I have a lot going on in my life, then it's definitely it's a dirty rag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no yeah. dice taken. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and and I think that's where I'm at real, now as I realize that there's all the stuff coming up and there's the pile that's sort and and it's hard to see you know the forest from the trees mm. it's hard to be like all right this is this is what's happening this is not what's happening this is what's happening in my mind yeah so i guess it's more practice and uh, yeah, but that's a great understanding right to get to that conclusion that it's all the time because most people think it's out there yeah it's happened to me right yeah well some things i'd like to think are happening <laughs> um so it's trying to figure out how to kind of balance it back out because you know when things are okay you know things are easy really, really spot up. but I, i'm just taking this personal that's you know, whatever it is and that's the easy one to spot sometimes mm -hmm. and then so anyway say this especially for my Thanks, Brian. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> It always strikes me when you teach is you always bring it back to 
first foundation mm. that his practice is not going to eliminate every aspect of suffering. It's, making that space to see the rise and pass away mm -hmm. but it's not judging that defilement and that's that gentleness we always talk about mm -hmm. when buddha talks about the gradual nature of it and those moments where it encouraged you to so yeah brian mentioned that i think that's a bedrock of you teach which I always appreciate so thank you. I taught this um a couple of years ago and I had so many more words on it this time I just took them all out because I think that worked for this class because y'all are pretty uh practiced pretty good I feel like Sometimes just reading the suttas, it's nice to just hear it read. All right, speaking of reading suttas, how about the Karaniya Meta Sutta? <laughs> this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and he knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, Free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding the fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thank, Thank you. you. Is there a class Saturday? Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.